Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC presents Between the Lines 2.0. Well, we normally call this Between the Lines 2.0, and it's for patrons only, but not on this Thursday, as Kansas is playing in the Big 12 tournament against West Virginia without head coach Bill Self who becomes the third coach in this league that a major story has developed around just the week of the Big 12 tournament. Danny Klingskill joins us each week on Between the Lines 2.0 for the Patrons podcast. And he joins us now to talk about, first of all, Bill Self and how we wish him well and, and hope that he has great health. It sounds like, according to the press release from the university, that Bill Self is doing well. He's receiving great treatment. There are multiple uh, reports that this was a heart attack. And he's obviously survived that and is doing well in the hospital. That, first and foremost, is the good news that everybody wants to hear. No question about that, but you, you just really don't know the severity. It's not, there's no way to tell. There's all kinds of different levels of, you know, nobody officially has said it's a heart attack yet. Uh, some kind of a health issue, obviously, that required him or had him decide to go to the hospital. So we're just in the very earliest stages of finding out what's going on. So it's really impossible to tell, except for the fact that he went into the hospital and he survived. That's about the only two things you can say with any certainty at this point in time. Uh, just It could be something that was really severe. It could be something that was not even a heart attack. That it was some kind of an indigestion or serious stomach issue that felt like a heart attack. Uh, many people are saying that it was a heart attack and they probably have some sources to, uh, but in this, in this world, people will rush to put something out with maybe only the barest scraps of information. Uh, so uh, there's just no way to tell what's going on. That's except true. For the fact that, as I said, the only real certainty we know is that Bill Self has been admitted to the hospital and that he's still alive. Yep. <laughs> Those are the only two things we really know. So he's not coaching, and KU says he's doing well. The release says he's doing well, so we, we, we believe that. We believe all that adds up. And, you know, if this is a heart condition, we're not going to play doctor here, but the, I, I was talking to a friend earlier today when we heard this. I mean, there's nothing across the health spectrum that can vary more widely than a heart attack. You can go from right. it's almost nothing to dying instantly when something occurs. I mean, it really, the spectrum on these is – is crazy. I mean, and we've seen this in coaching before. Bob Huggins, West Virginia's coach, coaching against Kansas today, has had heart issues, has a, I don't know if they call it a pacemaker anymore, but he had a stimulator on his heart. He went down on the court one time with his heart issues. Andy Reid was taken to the hospital after a game last year, not 2022, 2021, with what was described as heart issues. He went to the hospital and was treated. I can't sit here and rattle off every coach I've ever heard, but I think most people would equate the adrenaline, the excitement, the stress of high-level coaching with being more difficult than most professions, at least for things like blood pressure, heart rate, heart attacks, things like that. I'm not trying to lump anybody in a category, but this doesn't sound really rare for this type of stuff to happen to coaches, for sure. Well, it certainly is a high-stress uh, profession. There's no question about that. I think football coaches, for instance, probably put themselves under more duress than they need to with all the technology that they have at their disposal now. They still work these incredibly long hours that we've heard about forever and a day. And I've said this a lot. Over the past two decades, their job really should have gotten a lot easier because 
instead of sitting there watching game film of a whole game or even a quarter or whatever, they can really just get cut-ups of anything they want, which should save them hours and hours and hours, but they kind of don't let them let themselves do that. Uh, you were referencing basketball coaches there. We remember that throughout his career, Roy Williams used to have those, whatever he called, feigning spells, or he'd have to sort of just sit there and hold his, you know, hold his head for a while and wait for it to pass. We and That was never really explained specifically. I, for basketball coaches, and, it, and I, I guess for all coaches in college now, but for basketball, let's just stick to basketball coaches, their job has probably never been more stressful because they used to have really, you know, time-consuming uh, recruiting to do. And, and now that's only become more time-consuming because they're re-recruiting their own players and other people's players and transfers and everything else. And then they have to deal with NIL. And they're the type of, uh, they're the people who would go before groups of people and try to get their money. Uh, so it's just been layer upon layer of things that uh, are asked of college basketball coaches. And then in the context of them uh, uh, having social media where disgruntled players or players who have some kind of a beef with a coach or your own behavior where maybe just in one moment you say something that you think carries some weight in a certain way and then it's uh, either misconstrued or you're just completely unaware that you're uh, being foolish in what you're saying. I'm thinking about Mark Adams now, or you just say some stuff that you absolutely shouldn't say, and it's really how you feel, but it gets reported, and it may be just a, an outlying incident. So uh, there's all kinds of layers of stress stress for these people. So it, it's perhaps not surprising that maybe this is at a higher instance than the general population, but we really have no way to even quantify that because it's going to be super high profile when a, a coach has something like this happen, and we're not going to sit there and talk about good news where, hey, every single coach in the country except for these two is healthy today. I mean, that's not a story. All right. I don't really skirt the edges on this podcast. I usually just tell people the truth about, you know, what I think, what I say, things like that. And because I, I just, I, I don't care that much anymore. And, and if this makes me a bad person, it makes me a bad person. But I'll bet I've said over last season and this season, I'll bet I've said out loud to Jessica or a friend, and then maybe three times as many times I've thought it to myself, while watching Bill self-coach, I've said he doesn't look good tonight. He doesn't look good. Um, it wouldn't. I mean, he looks like he could just grab his chest right now and or you know walk away and be passed out and say, "I got to go to the locker room and get an IV or something." He's clearly gained weight. He's changed his lifestyle in some way over the last couple of years. He's gained weight, and he just is especially his face, which is what we see on TV. The variations when he's not wound up. I'm not talking about when he's like shouting at kids. Like when he's just sitting there on the bench, and they cut to him like damn, he doesn't look good. There's something not right there. And now we have this. And I don't know, man, you know, I, I, I know this. I know you can have heart disease um, genetically. You can absolutely have that. Right. You know, there's no question. But I think the overwhelming issue with heart disease in this country, and we're terrible, we're among the worst on earth with heart disease, has to do with choices we make in our lives. Number one is smoking. I don't think Bill Self is a smoker. I don't know if he was when he was you know, a kid or younger or anything like that. I don't think that's the issue. But a lot of it is diet, exercise, alcohol, lifestyle, stress, how much sleep you get, all that stuff. And it looks to me like all those things could be a factor here for him. Well, I think that, you know, I, I, my wife and I watch sports together sometimes, but she doesn't watch sports you know, at the level that I do, even close. 
And she has said over the last couple of years, you know, Bill Self doesn't look great to her. Now, great to, to her. He, he could be living the same exact lifestyle he has lived for three decades. But as you get older, maybe you can't handle the same kind of lifestyle. And uh, it's obvious that he has gained some weight and his face looks kind of puffy. What, uh, whatever reason that is, that can just be age or, or whatever. He's always kind of been a red-faced guy in some regards. Uh, so, you know, we're sitting here just sort of, you know, whistling past the graveyard. That's not the right way to say it, but right. you're just speculating in, in ways that you, you, because we don't have that much information. And what we do know is that he, he looks heavier. He looks red faced, maybe more than he used to. His face looks, you know, puffier, whatever you have to say. And we were talking about this before we went on. Andy Reid is certainly far heavier than Bill Self or far more overweight, whatever way you want to uh, put it. But he kind of looks healthy. He looks just like a healthy, robust guy, but he's had his own health problems and can't carry that much weight and be in a stressful job and probably uh, not be at risk for certain things. So it's all very difficult to, to judge. And you know, all we can do is, is really wait because you said the spectrum of what happens when you have a heart attack or a heart issue or a heart incident is so broad all the way from, you know, he could be coaching by Saturday to, you know, you can die on the spot. So thankfully that wasn't the case in this particular case. And maybe this just is a minor thing. And I'm sure that no matter what happens, I'm sure Bill Self will underplay it. Uh, but, right. but we just really don't know. Well, I, I bring this up because I want to, I want to spin this for the positive because I love and cherish and, and, and believe that modern medicine is absolutely amazing. We know how great the doctors are. We know what kind of great care he's getting. If indeed a stent was placed in his heart, as one person reported on Twitter that that, that was done overnight or something, dude, we've known people get stents in their hearts and work three days later. I'm not saying he's going to be coaching basketball this weekend, but I don't think the NCAA right. tournament's out of the realm of possibility, no. just depending on how it, it is. What I like about this story, and the only reason I bring this up is I, I'm, again, we don't know, but it occurs to us based on maybe whatever changes we've seen in the last year or two, that this would be something that is fixable for him. This is so manageable for so many people. When they get a scare in their life, when something happens and they change diet or exercise or stress level or just the way they do things, people change. And I, I got to think there's something that he was doing that led to at least contributing to this. He may be genetically, you know, there may be a lot of heart disease in his family as well. There's no way to know. But I, I firmly believe with people that get, there's, a, there's just a, a lot of people, Danny, that get a warning with a heart thing. They spend a couple of days in the hospital. I've had this happen to friends and they change their lifestyle and they lose 50 pounds and all of a sudden they feel better than they've ever felt. And they get on Lipitor or whatever some of the other medicine are for blood pressure or whatever. And they're like, I haven't felt this good in 20 years. I think that's the way this ends. I'm, I'm going to bet a year from now, Bill Self's as healthy as he's been since he was playing college basketball. Well, in the context of this, you know, there's, you can look at it both ways. I think that, you know, Bob Huggins, for instance, uh, we, we talked about that a little bit. And I get the feeling that Bob Huggins hasn't changed his lifestyle much at all. Well, uh, uh, let, let me let me help you there, okay? He certainly eats a lot. I've got insight on this. I was told by a, a person at Kansas State when he left, when he was considering leaving K-State, he was only there one year, his wife implored him not to go back to West Virginia 
She implored him to not go back to West Virginia because she thought he was going to drink himself to death with his old West Virginia buddies. And when he went back, apparently it lasted like a year or two, and he has changed that he does not even remotely drink like he used to. Now, he's still a very large man, and we see that. But, you know, we watched Huggins here about four or five years ago, Danny. Do you remember how sweaty and pasty and and just drippy wet he was all the time? That seems right. to have kind of gone away. That might add right. up. But I've got I've got people who tell me he doesn't drink even close to what he used to drink. And and you know college basketball there's it's not any secret for people who understand college basketball. This used to be celebrated in baseball. Baseball coaches, baseball players in the 40s, 50s, 60s, it was all drinking, all partying, they were all kind of the same way. Other sports have cleaned up a lot more than college basketball. College basketball coaches are notoriously partiers. That's their lifestyle. They're always on the road. They're always recruiting. They see the same coaches from the same programs. They eat big fancy steak dinners. They drink and they do what they've got so much idle time when they're out there doing that. It's just kind of a culture that a lot of people are still stuck in in this profession. And I wonder if it's kind of a last frontier of sports to live that lifestyle. Well, I, I, a couple of areas to dive into in this. You know, I think that for baseball players, for instance, they play most of their games at night. And how much can you really drink before you fall asleep? I mean, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you're, I mean, really, yeah. if you're cracking your first beer at 11 o'clock at night, even if you drank for three or four hours, it's, you know, not that much. And then probably when they retire, when their workday concludes or whatever, you know, things they have to do during the day, they probably are in the same habit, except it's five o'clock or four o'clock. And then, you know, and, and they probably back in the day would have some drinks until it was time to go to bed. Well, if you do that and it's eight hours instead of three or four hours, that's a big difference. It is. And, and basketball coaches also do a large you know, majority of their work at night for games. And that's probably when they want to wind down the most. So I, I think the work schedule of certain people leads to behaviors that maybe when that schedule yep. is altered uh, becomes more of an issue. Yep. I think that's right. And, you know, the NFL made a change a few years back. They don't allow alcohol at the facility anymore. The tradition of NFL coaches was they stayed all the time. They all had cots. They didn't go home during the week. They all said they were game planning. What they did was they ordered pizza and wings and drank beer and vodka all night and, and watched film and thought they were still working. Because they, they right. enjoyed being around the coaches and they enjoyed coaching more exactly. than they enjoyed being at home. And they did it all right there. I mean, we John Gruden got two DUIs leaving work, didn't he? That sounds Le- right. Leaving the facilities. Yeah, I mean, like, he, was, he, he left it very late at night, two in the morning or whatever, was going home, which apparently wasn't very far, but still couldn't drive it between the lines and get it home. That was the history of football. They've cleaned that up now. You do that now, and I think you're in real trouble in the NFL. They don't want alcohol in the facility. But the coaches go home earlier. They don't keep them there all night like they used to. So some of that is changing. I, sports is evolving. It's not where it it probably is eventually going to be. I just I can't I cannot believe what's happened with the coaches in this tournament. We have two other coaches. Mark Adams quit last night, re- resigned right. after days of being suspended. Texas Tech lost its last game, and then he resigned. I'm guess that financially made more sense to wait until the season ended 
and started the next year or something like that. Or maybe he came to an agreement financially with them. And now we've got Jamie Dixon at TCU, who's got a player who has bolted out of his program. And uh, you know, Eddie Lampkin has walked away. And there's text between Eddie Lampkin and apparently an assistant coach, Lampkin's mom and Jamie Dixon. They were threatening to go public with how mean Jamie Dixon is and the things that he's doing if they didn't treat his son better. And they were talking to the son about transferring at the end of the year. Well, he walked away, Lampkin did, and now these texts are out there and Jamie Dixon looks bad. I don't know what's going on with these coaches, but it it looks like it must be harder than hell to coach college basketball right now. Well, I think it is hard to coach because before, I think, it, and, and for certain people, uh, players, it's accepted, hard coaching is accepted in basketball a lot. And sometimes it's expected, sometimes it's embraced. And if you come from, say, a culture where through your AAU program and your high school program, whatever, you had hard-nosed coaches, and then you go to college and you get another hard-nosed coach, it's probably just, well, that's what happens. You know, he swears at me, whatever, he loves me up on the other side, you know, he's, he's getting the best out of me, all that type of stuff. But, may, but you got 15 guys there, and maybe one or two of them does not take to hard coaching that well. And what you can say to one player, which actually turns out to be a positive for them, it turns out to be abusive to another person. And that's the nuance of coaching. I mean, we've, we've known through the years all along, you know, how many players have we heard from KU who absolutely love and talking at incredibly glowing terms about Roy Williams and or Bill Self. But let's just talk about Roy Williams here and, and, and but are open about the fact that everybody was throwing up in garbage cans all the time uh, because of the, you know, hard work and stress that they put on you in a practice situation. So, and Bill Self, everybody knows that Bill Self coaches hard. Uh, so uh, some people, but we've never really seen anybody go public with the fact that they're disen, you know, disenchanted with that. Maybe they just left and kept quiet. So culture is different though now. I mean, all those things that we saw from uh, Lampkin were on Instagram. So, I mean, we just see people, they're, you know, younger people, you know, and Instagram is, is really more there and their vehicle than Facebook and things like that. Uh, they're just completely open about their entire lives to the point where they don't even care if it's going to get them in an incredible amount of trouble. Look at John Morant. I mean, the guy was, you know, clearly inebriated or something or, or who, who knows, but he put out a, you know, a video of him, you know, flashing a gun when you have to know that that's going to cause problems. But that's just part of the way they live, is that their phone it makes their life an open book, and that's the way they want it. Yeah, and I, you know, I got a couple, a couple observances, and I, I don't, I, I'm not an expert on what happened with Mark Adams. I, it's, it's my understanding he was quoting, trying to quote something from the Bible in a verse or something that referenced slaves, and and you right. can, and, and I don't know if he's a. If he's a good man, a good Christian, doesn't have anything bad in his heart, and this is overblown, or if, wow, he is, you know, pretty extreme, and and this is exactly what he was trying to convey. We don't know that. There's no way to know that. It clearly nope. was a, a little bit up in the air as to what really happened. And he didn't, apo- he didn't apologize. No, he's not going to apologize. Uh, I think he, he values the Bible probably over anything else, and that's where this came from. And I'm no expert on the Bible. I'm not even going to go there. But now we're seeing it with Jamie Dixon, and I read these things that were on Instagram or these tweets or texts or back and forth on Instagram and things. And the first thing that comes to my mind, and I've admitted already on my other podcast, I'm old school, Danny. I'm really old school. Like whining, pissy, bitchy players is nothing new. That's not generational. That's not new. 
okay? Going public with it, taking your problems elsewhere instead of dealing with them right. is relatively new. And so that's one observance is, the other one is, we, we have a situation here, generally speaking, where if it is a black athlete complaining about a white coach, they're always guilty until proven innocent. And I don't think we can allow this to continue because I don't know enough about it. And I don't know enough. I'm not on the inside. I'm not playing. But when we keep seeing black players and white coaches, the white coaches always lose. And these players have all the power now. They have NIL money. And they have unfettered free agency. And I think the power is shifting in college basketball, not as fast in football, but in college basketball, it is shifting the power away from the coaches and to the players. And we're sitting here right in the Big 12. We got two coaches that are, one is already out. The other could be out by next week. We don't know what's going to happen with Jamie Dixon. But again, we just can't rush to conclusion on these things. And we can't label people just outright racist. I find it hard to believe that Jamie Dixon is a racist at heart, has been his whole life, and he's coached this long. I find that hard to believe. Well, I, I find it hard to believe, too. However, you know, there's a lot of nuance in, in all kinds of areas of life. And maybe a, a, a person is not racist, per se, that they dislike black people, but they may just intrinsically treat white and black players differently because they think of them differently. You know, that they maybe generally think of, and also these, Coaches who are coaching at the highest level in college basketball, they have a, a huge amount of players from really difficult backgrounds. And, you know, they, whether they were, they for the most part, they're black, but it, it, it just so happens that they're black and they come from, you know, broken homes and nobody, parents around and, you know, violence and brothers getting shot and living in areas where you know, crime is a everyday part of the world. And they're just different. I mean, and I think any anybody who would be raised in those type of situations would be different. And maybe a coach isn't racist per se, but he's looking. But in his mind, he's looking at a white kid and thinking, "Well, he's from a stable home and his life was fine and simple." Now, maybe that's not even the case, but he probably is in his purview that that would be the case. This is, uh, for all the wrong reasons, one of the craziest Big Twelve tournaments and starts to a tournament I can ever remember, Danny. I just, I, I am. I'm speechless. I can't even believe this. We got 10 teams in this league and three major coaching stories before we've even gotten right. to the to the final eight teams teeing it up. This is this is just unbelievable. I can't believe this. I just can't believe it. How does all this happen at once? Pretty amazing. And, you know, for a variety of different reasons. And, you know, and Bill Self, he's probably the one who's got the best situation because this is just related to his own health. And, and but the other two, it affects other people, and of course, Bill Self's help help uh, affects other people, and whatever storyline you're going to want to have for today's, uh, you know, for the games today is, you know, playing for Bill Self, or we wanted to play for Coach, or if they lose, we were distracted. I mean, it, it, this is all going to play into it. It's a, just a gigantic soap opera, a, a you know, a movie script going into this tournament that you wouldn't write. There was too much, too much drama in this thing. You can't, you can't pack all that drama. That would never happen. Well, like you said, 30% of the coaches in the league are dealing with significant situations and one of them's not a coach anymore. Well, we wish the best to uh, Bill Self and his entire family. Sure. We hope he is well and he gets better. I've got a, eh, just, just from the initial reports and the way the Kansas release looked, I've, I've got a feeling he's going to be good here. 
They say he's doing well and he's receiving excellent care. So we uh, wish the very best. We do not know the severity of what happened with him, but we wish certainly the very best. And I guess we'll all cross our fingers and hope that he does so well. He gets back to coaching at some point here in March and gets back out on the court. That would be best case scenario for all involved. And we wish him whatever he wants to do or however he wants to do it. We wish the very best to him and his family. I think you'd echo that as well. Yeah, we are just so at the embryonic stages of this story. No way to tell, but everybody wants uh, the best for Bill Self. And whether this is minor, major, or results in some kind of major changes in his life or not, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Danny, thank you so much for your time. You're the best, buddy. Appreciate you joining me every week. All right. I always enjoy it. Thanks a lot, Kev. Danny Klinkscale. You can catch all of his material at dannyklinkscale.com. He's got all kinds of really great audio and podcasts and sports and columns and all kinds of cool stuff. dannyklinkscale.com is the website to get more of everything that Danny does. We call this Between the Lines 2.0, and typically it's a patron podcast, but on this very special day at the start of well, we do have March Madness, by definition. This is all madness that we're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, we do have March Madness, and we thought we'd put it up for you here at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues.